Okay. Oh, good morning. <laughs> this is very, very odd for me, so please bear with me as we, uh, yeah, as I speak this morning. Um, I'm Dara. I do. I lead the worship team here. It's a great privilege. And I've been asked to speak to you this morning about encouragement in worship, or really encouraging us to worship as a church. I think it was quite difficult to decide what to speak to this topic because I think there are so many reasons that I could give you to encourage us to worship. And as I was praying and worshiping, I feel like God has a few very clear and specific points that he wants to make to us this morning. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, It was difficult to find any catchy headings. So very loosely, we're going to be talking about our call to worship and then what that means for us as a community of worshippers. I think as we've seen so far through the series, um, the Psalms are a great place for us to find worship and reasons to worship. David and the other writers give us essentially worship in all contexts of life, whether persecution is happening or whether there are blessings being showered down. I think that's where God wants us to be with our worship. He wants us to be able to worship in every season of our lives, no matter how we feel. So um, we're going to be reading from Psalm 95 this morning as a springboard to go through what I think God is trying to speak to us about. So let's just read that together. It will come up on the screen. It's the NIV version. And it says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. (coughs) Today, if you would only hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Okay, so we'll go through Psalm 95, and we'll talk about hopefully some ways that are encouraging us to worship. We'll start with our call to worship. We look at verses three to five here, and we see the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. We see in these verses that God is the creator of our universe and that he has created us, therefore, to worship. A very abbreviated beginning of the Bible story, Adam and Eve, they're having a great time with God. They sin, they fall short of his glory, and suddenly they're aware of all of their sin. We move through that and we see God come and speak to Abraham, a man who couldn't have children at the time. And God says, I'm going to give you descendants as many as the stars. I'm going to make a great nation from you. I mean, God does that despite everything that was in the way, and he creates a chosen people. We see them sin against God again and again, as we've already heard in one of the words this morning, but God forgives them again and again, even though they should have been cast out of his presence. In Isaiah 43, we see God say to his people, I provide streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen people, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. The message version of this says he provided drinking water for the people he chose, the people he made especially for himself, a people custom made to praise him. 
We are that chosen people. From that incredible line from Abraham, we are part of that now if we believe. And God made us in his reflection and therefore who are we yet to reflect his glory back to him in sung worship? That would be enough reason to worship, I think. I could stop there. I'd like to. I won't. I'll keep going. But um, if we said, I have breath in my lungs to breathe, so I will worship God. I have somewhere to live. I have food. I have friends. I have family. I have church to go to. We could say that is enough for us to be worshippers of God. But he is so graceful and he gives us so much more. God gave us Jesus on earth made holy human and holy divine, who died on a cross, who rose again, defeating death so that we could live in freedom. There's no separation between us and heaven now. We boldly approach the throne. We go back to verses one and two, where it says, come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. I would encourage us to read that as, Worship Jesus because he saved you. It means that we praise this rock, this steadfast, strong, unmovable, unshakable, consistent rock who doesn't change like shifting shadows. Verse six says that we should bow down in worship, kneel before our maker. Many of us will know the song, here I am to worship, here I am to bow down. Here I am to say that you're my God. In that, we sing praise to the one who holds everything together for us, who saved us. We have been declared blameless in his sight forevermore. God doesn't ever take this back, no matter how much we sin, but continues to pursue us because by grace he has saved us. Let us encourage this to worship this morning. We know who we worship, God our creator, God and Jesus our saviour, and why we worship him. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's move on. We'll talk about what this means for us as a community of worshippers. If we go back to Psalm 95, verse 7, we see it says that we are the people of his pasture and the flock under his care. We have been called his church here to be his people, his representatives on the earth. And Jesus promises to be faithful to us no matter what. We are called the bride of Christ and Jesus promises to never leave us. That is so much more than we could ever offer him. I think that in itself is enough for us to be singing praises. But it also says where two or three gather in his name, he is here with us. I want to challenge us when two or three of us gather, let us also praise him. It is our responsibility and obedience to do the same. God loves it when we worship together. And as we see in Revelation 19, we are making ourselves ready for when Jesus comes again. We will be joining with the angels. We sung this, I think, three times this morning already. Joining with the angels' song, When Jesus Comes Again. What we do here is an incredible representation of that, but only foreshadows what it will be like for us to worship Jesus forever and ever. Our purpose as a community of worshippers is not to be polished and sparkly and and to be the, the greatest ever, but to joyfully and passionately and authentically worship God our Creator and Jesus our Saviour, And we do this together as the bride of Christ, reverently and joyfully as his people on the earth. 
I think that moves us on to talking about worshipping from a place of joy. I know Dan spoke about this last week. I wasn't here, so I'm just going to talk some more about it. (laughs) No, I do. I think it's a very important point. And actually, I had listened to Dan's preach. No, I hadn't listened to his preach before I wrote this. So there's not too much overlap. Verse 1 says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. I think God really wants to imprint this on our hearts. I don't think it's a coincidence that Dan spoke about it and that I also wanted to speak about this. We need to be encouraged to worship in joy in all circumstances. There is a difference between being happy and feeling this deep joy that we know comes from the promises and the characteristics of God. Isaiah 61.3 says that we should put on a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That can be so much more easily said than done in the climate that we live in, in the worlds that we live in. And I asked God how he wanted me to phrase this to us this morning. And he just kept saying, remind us to remember. Remind them to remember. God has given us worship and lyricists and people who write great melodies to remind us of his goodness, that he is our creator and our saviour, so that we can remember what he has done for us and what he is still doing here. Um, studies have shown that one of the most effective ways that we learn is actually often when we put things we need to remember to song. I uh, do a lot of exams and I also lament that I can't remember drug doses and physiology of certain diseases, um, but I can sing rap Hamilton from beginning to end. And it's, it's about two and a half hours long. <laughs> I probably spent more of my time listening to Hamilton than revising for my exams, but um, it was worth it. So... <laughs> I wanted to demonstrate this this morning with just just four songs, actually. Some are worship, some are non-worship. What I'm going to do is one of the lyrics is going to come up, and I'm just going to ask someone to tell me what the next lyric of the song is, if you know it. There are only four. So if we go to the first one, so that says, My Jesus, my Saviour, Lord, there is none like you. Yep, I want to. Yep. Very good. Great. Well done. Uh, the next one, please, Jan. That says, the seaweed is always greener on somebody else's lake. Yes, Lois. <laughs> but that is a big mistake. That is from The Little Mermaid. I want to put loads of Disney in. If, if you haven't seen it, please watch it. It's great. <laughs> uh, good. The next one, please. That says, you are the dancing queen. Yeah. Yes. Well done. <laughs> And then let's have the last one, please. This is mean because it's not the first line of the verse, but that says, from life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. Yeah, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from my hands. Great, that is the last verse of um, In Christ Alone. Okay, thank you. We may or may not have seen the importance of learning things in song this morning, but I want us to be encouraged that when we are singing songs and worshipping, Often the lyrics are sitting in our hearts somewhere. I don't know if you've seen Inside Out, but I always imagine song lyrics coming in the, the, the balls that run through the kind of pneumatic tubes and then pop up in your head, often when you don't want them to. But um, I think I wanted us to be reminded to remember that we hold so many of those lyrics dear. You wouldn't know how many of them you remember. As we praise and we are reminded to remember, these lyrics give us a new sense of hope and joy when we're worshipping. We're reminded that God is so much bigger that he holds everything in his hands. 
Charles Spurgeon said that his happiest moments were when he was worshipping God, really adoring the Lord Jesus Christ. In that worship, he forgets the cares of the church and everything else. To him, it is the nearest approach to what it will be like in heaven. I want us to feel like that when we're worshipping. I want nothing else to matter. I want to encourage us that that deep joy will always sit within you if you are a believer in Christ, that we worship God, our creator, and Jesus, our saviour. He is unstoppable. He makes all things work together for our good, for his glory. And I want us to be encouraged to praise joyfully because of that. Okay, a slight turn. Having talked about joy and being reminded to remember, I'm calling this worshipping out of hours. Um, If you don't work at NHS, when we talk about out of hours, that's outside normally the times of nine and five or eight and five when there aren't extra services, we struggle to get any kind of specialty reviews, this kind of thing. But I feel like God was asking us, are we worshipping out of hours? And by that, I mean outside the time that we spend in church on a Sunday morning. For most of us, that out of hours is not in this building, bar the office staff. Thank you. Um, But are are we worshipping not in this building? Are we making it a priority to sing praises to God outside of church? I think that in order for us to have really powerful worship as a community, we need to be worshipping outside of this building. Psalm 63 verse 4 says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. As long as we live, we should be singing praise to God. We live most of our hours outside of this building. We should be singing for joy, not just on a Sunday, but every day. I completely appreciate there are so many challenges in this. Worship music may not be your chosen genre to listen to. There's often enough time to do these things. Maybe singing isn't your favourite thing to do. I really felt God saying to us yesterday, actually, he said, singing may be out of character, but singing praise to him should not be. He said, singing out loud outside church might feel odd, but singing praises to God should not feel odd. Let me encourage you that the more we are singing in our daily lives, praises to God, the more powerful our worship here is on a Sunday morning. I think there's something in that, and I'll talk about the Holy Spirit later, but when we come together to sing, we are bringing what we've been doing in the week too, and I want to encourage us that it is so powerful if you've been singing outside and worshipping to bring that into us here too. Um, My current out of hours is almost exclusively spent in the Victoria Hospital in Kokodi. I work there as a doctor, and I have lost most of the time that I normally would have spent when I wasn't commuting so far to read my Bible and to pray. I have gained two hours of a commute every day, however. And what I'm trying to do now is move that into the car, which can be weird sometimes. I drove across the bridge two days ago just screaming worship. It was great, but people might think I look a bit bit odd. But I just think it is so important that I am still worshipping in my daily life out of hours of this church so that I am encouraged when I go to work, so that I'm encouraged when I come here to sing with all of you as the Bride of Christ and also when I'm thinking about leading worship. I think we need to cultivate a culture of worship outside of here, whether that's by ourselves in our kitchen, whether that's in the car, in our small groups, in our running partners, in our families. God wants to remind us of our confidence of him, not just on a Sunday, but every single day of our lives. He wants to support us 
and always persuade us to continue worshipping him no matter what. Let me challenge us this morning. If you listened and worshipped to one song, the same song every day for a week, I guarantee you would still be encouraged by it by the seventh day. You'd also probably know it off by heart, which is, I think, quite a good thing. Let us be a people who are encouraged to praise every single day of our lives because God, our creator, and Jesus, our saviour, is worth that. Okay. We move to the last few verses of Psalm 95. There's a slight turn in tone. Verses 8 to 11, we see phrases like, do not harden your hearts. Your ancestors tested, they tried me. For 40 years, I was angry with that generation. Their hearts went astray. I declared, they shall never enter my rest. This felt quite difficult to um, turn into an encouragement for us this morning. But it became clear to me that God wanted to speak about the enemy against us in this. Because when we worship God, the enemy absolutely hates it. The enemy wants to harden our hearts. The enemy wants our hearts to go astray. The enemy wants us to ignore God's voice so that we cannot enter his rest. I think part of the tactics of that is just persuading us to be distracted when we come into worship. I love Emma prayed for us this morning and said, let us not be distracted as we come in to worship. We don't have to feel like worshipping to worship. I know that can feel like it's not authentic, but actually, as we spoke about before, we worship because of that joy that sits in us, because we know God, our creator, and Jesus, our saviour. God wants us to look up and out, not down and in, as we are so used to doing. Psalm 43, verse 5, David says, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour, Jesus our saviour, and my God, God our creator. Worship, and even maybe more importantly, the Holy Spirit, helps us to say that whatever we are carrying with us that day is nothing compared to what God is going to do for us when we are worshipping him. He is always worthy to be praised. As we worship, we shout a battle cry to the enemy. We have a privileged position when we stand up here and I get to look out on everyone worshipping. And sometimes I am so overtaken by how incredible it feels that we have joined in the Holy Spirit with heaven worshipping God and that the enemy has no hold on us at all. For those of us who believe, we are going to be restored when Jesus comes again and go to heaven and we are going to worship him forever. There's a story that I was reminded of in the Old Testament. It's in 2 Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat is leading an army who are trying to take over the promised land, and he is worried and he is anxious and he is told to sing. And he tells the army to go out and sing. And they sing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And immediately the enemy is destroyed. They are defeated. We do the same thing here as we worship, as the bride of Christ, as a community And we have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to guide us and to help us, help our hearts not to be led astray so that we can enter into God's rest freely. I just love that we worship in spirit and truth here at King's. I love that we make space for the Holy Spirit and to hear what is being said to us as a community. I think in that I just want to encourage anyone who does feel like you get a word or a picture or an encouragement or a song when we're worshipping to please, please come and share it with us because it is for the strengthening and the encouragement and the glory of God and all of us here. Ephesians 5.19 tells us that we should speak to one another with psalms, hymns 
and songs from the Spirit, to sing and make music from our hearts to the Lord. Let me encourage us to please keep doing that here in the Holy Spirit. Ask him what he wants to say to us and have your ears and hearts open to hear what that is. We sing big songs. Victor's crown says, Jesus, you have overcome the world. We shout, you have no rival, you have no equal. Now and forever, God, you reign. When we rejoice in Jesus conquering death, the darkness and enemy shake with fear. They retreat back. The best way for us to counter the lies that the enemy tells us, the distraction, our hearts being led astray, is to declare the truth of God when we sing worship. We are free, hallelujah. (laughs) And we are reminded of this when we sing worship every single time. Okay, so we've taken quite a quick tour through Psalm 95 as a few points that I really felt God wanted to speak to us about this morning. I hope that I've encouraged us to keep worshipping because we know who we worship, God, our creator, and Jesus, our saviour. We've talked about our call to worship here as a community of worshippers that we have to be reminded to remember in the songs that we sing that there is a refreshing and outpouring of the Holy Spirit when we sing praises, that it's important that we strengthen ourselves here when we worship outside of this building. Worship is how we fight our battles. It's how we declare that God is great and our King of Kings. It's how we remind ourselves that we join with the angel's song and that all the earth will one day shout his praise. We worship because we are chosen and not forsaken, that Jesus died for us and that he is with us in the deepest and darkest places in our lives. We worship because the grave could not contain the power of his name and because he is our living hope, our mighty God, our cornerstone, and that he is always good. We worship because the name of the Lord is a strong tower and those who run into it will be saved. We worship because he has the whole world in his hands and one day he is coming back and we will praise him together for eternity. I have an incredible privilege to lead the worship team at King's, but part of that, I think, is leading us into worshipping God with everything that we have for all that he is. God doesn't need our reassurance, but he asks for and deserves our worship. I'm going to pray over you just some of my, what my heart feels for us as a community of worshippers. So let me pray. Lord, I pray that we continue to be a people of praise, that we are people who gather together regularly to worship together alongside passionate outside worship out of ours, Lord, that when we gather together, we always expect that we will encounter the Holy Spirit and that your presence will always be with us, changing us to be more and more like you every day. Lord, help us to encounter you every day in our worship, not just on a Sunday, so that the outflow of our persistent worship leads to you being glorified in all aspects of our lives so that so many other lives can be changed. Help us, Lord, to sing worship so that we can live for the glory of our Saviour and God, our Creator, for the rest of our days. Amen. And we're just going to worship now to finish. Let's worship freely our God and Jesus, our Saviour, in this.